Okay, hello and welcome to episode 50 of Dano's Says So, brought to you by Trust Records as part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I don't know if I ever thought I would get to 50 episodes of this show. The show was intended as a distraction during the tightest portion of the lockdowns in early COVID. And one of the first people I interviewed is a return guest today. To be at a 50th episode is kind of blowing my mind, and I'm going to indulge myself a little bit with that opportunity and interview the members of my own band and that I'm a, that I'm a member. 411 is getting ready to play our first shows in 30 years on July 1st and 2nd. We'll be playing the Alex's bar in Long Beach and the Casbah effectively. Uh, we do so with the full endorsement and support rather vocal support of our original bass player, Josh Stanton. And I think without it, the, the other two, two of us or the three of us, the originals, wouldn't even consider doing this. So immense thanks to Josh for that. Anyway, Kevin Murphy, Brian Balchek, Mario Rubelkop. Guys, thank you for doing this. Yeah, glad to be here again. <laughs> thanks for having us. So an interesting thing about this lineup is at this point, we're all geezers and we've all been doing music for a long, long time. But between the four of us, four very different levels of activity. I mean, Mario, you're essentially a pro. In fact, you just got back from not even your first tour of the year since lockdown. Brian, you've probably done the most recording and the second most touring in the last 15 years out of any of us. I drop in and out after long breaks and start new bands and bang my head against the wall. And Kevin is essentially getting up off the couch after 30 years. For that reason, I'm going to start with Kevin. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm thrilled. So, Kevin, I remember a lot of early hesitancy or maybe even, even skepticism about doing this and then about your ability to do so on guitar. But I know, like, in my conversations with the other two, and in listening to the files that we've all, you know, been sharing, that we've shared back and forth with your guitar on them, you don't sound like you've missed a beat. How has it been returning to guitar and what, what green lit it for you mentally? It's been harder than, than I guess it sounds. Uh, when, when Farside called it a day, I guess I was in 2000, I, I, I kind of pulled a Frank Zappa and just decided I was done playing guitar. And so I sold, I sold, uh, my guitars, um, I sold one of them to Popeye, and I think he still has it. Um, I attempted to buy it back from him for the Formula One shows, and he politely declined. It was all um, kind of uh, sort of lockstep with how the 1990s and the new millennium started for me, which was, uh, it was not good. It was really, I think that was like the lowest point in, in my life. Uh, there was just a lot of, lot of things going on where it was just really, really bad, and I was... Uh, I, I was I was homeless for like three months. I slept in my car. My my marriage fell apart. Uh, Farside came to an end. Uh, I lost my job. I was in school going to get my master's degree in computer science, and I had to drop out of that. And then I eventually wound up moving back in with my parents up in Washington, and that didn't work out because my dad has uh, some anxiety issues, and so uh, for various reasons, I, I wound up having to, to leave that. So. Um, all of that is to say that when Farside ended, it got lumped in with all of that shit. And so in, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was a big failure and I felt like music was a failure. And so I decided, let's see what else I, I can do, because being like band guy was it was my only identity. I didn't really have any other skills. And so since then, I've, you know, I've gone on to become a, a corporate stooge. I, I, I mean, I literally work for the man now, but I'd say around like 2005 or six, I, I kind of missed playing. And so I did buy like an acoustic guitar, just like a mid-level uh, Martin or something. So I never stopped playing, but it was, it was never serious. It was like just, you know, I would noodle around for like 20 minutes before going to bed. And so 
when this came around and I was, and really still am kind of anti-reunion, but uh, we can talk about the different time if you want. Um, when, when I decided this was, this was something I was open to, I really had to more or less learn how to play guitar again. I had no calluses on my fingers. <laughs> I didn't remember any of the songs. I had to, to, you know, listen to the, to the record a few times and figure out the key. Like I literally forgot how to play them. So I'm glad and I'm flattered that it sounds like I haven't missed a beat, but it, it's been work relearning these things. I'm still not, I mean, the, the song Flesh, the middle part, I'm still not sure I'm playing it right. Because that I, that recording, the live recording, really is not like great. And, and the middle is just a mess. Song, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty messy in the middle. But I just I pushed myself, and I started you know uh, uh, relearning uh, scales and all that sort of like you know you're you're 12 years old and going to guitar class. You know you learn your scales and, and that sort of thing. And so I'm I'm at a point where I'm comfortable now, but I'm fucking scared shitless. I mean, you, you mentioned hesitancy earlier, like. I mean, this is, I'm the one guy that, that, that has the most rust on him. And uh, I'm absolutely terrified that I'm going to get up there and just botch it from, you know, well, the first note will be like, I'll play an A note and Brian will be an H chart. <laughs> you know, I trust, I trust these other two as much as any musicians I know. And they both seem to be more and more than comfortable with the level you've, you've gotten yourself to. So take a breath. Yeah, I'm hoping that that you know the week that we that we have leading up to it, where we're gonna we're gonna be practicing um, every every day. I'm hoping that helps with the nerves and and that I, that I feel a little bit more comfortable. Trust me, trying trying to sing in the key of a 30 years younger and 40 pounds lighter Dan hasn't been the easiest thing I've spent the last month doing. Oh, know? I can relate. I mean, th there's um, so I'll put it this way: some some of the guitar solos in these songs. And by the way, those guitar solos should never have existed. You, you guys well, should no, no. Anyway, there's a couple that I can't play the way they're recorded simply because my hands are too stiff to like stretch all the way. So I had to rewrite them, and they're not as uh, they're not as fast Eddie Clark sounding. They're they're a little they're a little tamer. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully they'll work. Good to hear, uh, Brian. Um, you've done a thousand things most of which i know about or i think i do going back decades but listeners of this show are probably going to be most familiar with ignite and with into another my perception is that you've done considerable recording with both and i've even been on stage with you in ignite you know i know that you've done serious mileage there what's the activity level like now and how did those two outfits arrive at the activity level they're at right now well are you talking about my involvement with Ignite or into another? You can tell whatever point? stories you want to. This is your background moment. So. <laughs> well, I'm not doing Ignite anymore. Those guys have moved on with a new vocalist and um, they're on tour. They wrote a new record and uh, I, I wasn't comfortable doing it without Zoli because we had just done it for 20 years together and it just. To me, that didn't feel right. We had enough guitar players at Ignite where any of us could have jumped out at any point and it would be fine. They'd still have two guys on the stage. So, yeah, so that hasn't been going on for me for a while now, ever since we wrote uh, the previous record. And I think that was maybe five years ago now or so. Into Another is a little bit stagnant. We wrote a, an EP and we've been slowly working on new music uh to try to do an lp uh but the thing is is 
it's it's hard to get together with those guys. I mean, obviously the pandemic and those those types of things. But um, you know, everybody lives in a different corner of the United States and into another at this point. So it's just you know when we do come together, we're we're normally preparing for like a run of small shows, and uh, we do those. But you know, try to mix in the new music when we can and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's going to be interesting playing with you guys and even doing you know um, this old stuff. I have some experience with this whole like a band hasn't played for over 20 years or whatever, you know, and then coming in and and me kind of taking a step back and letting the old chemistry, you know, kind of, you know, reignite itself, but then bringing in what I can to the table, too, because, uh, you know, even just my experience with um into another it was it was really strange for them getting back together without reed and i in the band and then adding these two new guys it was just like it was like you know it, it was it was awkward at first and then it became its own thing after you know essentially just just playing together over and over again so i'm hoping that's what happens with you guys too because uh you know growing up in the scene listening to you guys since I was 14, 15 years old. I mean, it's like, I feel like four-on-one for me, even though I've never played with you guys, you got, the music is part of my DNA. Like I listen to these songs and I'm just like, oh yeah, this song, oh yeah, this song. Like I can, I can play them in my head before I even picked up a guitar or bass to play these songs because I just know them so well. So a little, I'm excited to do that. A little inside baseball, you and Kevin have history playing, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And that was, that was amazing. That was an amazing time for my, in my life. Also the, the, the busiest musically I've ever been. I was in essentially three bands at that point. I was doing 1134, Ignite and Farside all at the same time, essentially practicing every single day of the week, seven days a week. It was rough, but you know, that was, that was definitely an experience um, doing the Farside stuff. And especially yeah, so you got Brian Chu had in my eyes wrote, written the, the best bass lines he had ever written in Farside for the Monroe Doctrine and then learning all that stuff, it was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, way more challenging than I thought it would be. Um, but then fun once it locked in and, you know, I had, I had a ton of fun um, doing Farside for as long as I did, even though it was, it wasn't that long, was it, Kevin? It was maybe like... No, it was pretty short, but I mean, you, you did get to play at the baseball stadium when we opened for Smash Mouth. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted us to play for an hour. I remember that, too. Yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that for, for a lot of bands, that would be a high point. I think for, for us, that was like, oh, this is the low point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh. but it was fun. And I, I, I look back you know, fondly on those memories for sure. So, um, and step me back into the base for that, you know, this is, it'll be fun for me. So I'm excited to do this with you guys. Well, over the years, I've asked you to probably do half a dozen bands. I was, I was glad I finally came to the table with something you actually wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, if the podcast was three hours long, I could name all the bands that Mario has been in, but you know, don't really have that kind of a window. The thing that to me is insane about you is really the road has been open to touring musicians like yourself for less than six months, and you've already hit the road in the U.S. and Europe. Is it a, is it a completely different beat, or what? You know, is it notably different than before COVID? Not really. Mentally, yes. Uh, mentally, it was a little weird to um, go. Uh, even I mean, the the U.S. thing we did was like two weeks, and it was just mainly West Coast. 
and uh, like through like Colorado, Utah, that kind of circular thing. But going to Europe and the UK and like like Ireland and stuff was a little bit of a trip. I hadn't flown since 2019. I hadn't flown once during the pandemic. So taking the that first trip to to Europe to England, you know, we flew in London uh, was you know it was a little mentally different. You know, like certain things were just. I didn't remember certain things about touring, you know, but um, otherwise the shows were fine. There, um, there was like no real restrictions or anything crazy. It just seemed pretty normal. The shows were good and all that stuff. Once you get back into it, it was fun. How was the rest? Well, thankfully we had this tour before this two week U.S. tour, so um, I was pretty, pretty good at, at playing and stuff. And then we were there for four weeks, so we were playing almost every night. So it was, it was awesome. I did a tour with you in 94 where we did almost the exact same thing. We essentially boot camp before No Front Answer went over to Europe. Yeah. And the, the night of the first practice, all four members were there and only one knew all the songs. And it was you who'd never played a note in No Front Answer before. <laughs> so I suspect you're not really worried about being able to pick these songs up again, correct? I did my homework for the No Front Answer, though. Um, <laughs> I was just like... Because I think, what, was it Chris Bratton that played on the record? Yeah. So, you know, I, I liked his drumming on that record and stuff. So, and I knew, I knew that a lot of people liked his drumming as well. So I was like, I better come in, you know, with a little bit of, like, research. And <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it blew my mind and made me feel stupid how well, how well you knew the material. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with the 411 stuff, I haven't been listening to this stuff. Kind of, I mean not on purpose, but like the way I kind of work is like, it's better for me to go into it from after like this tour I just did of Europe and then like, and then just go full bore, like then just start listening to the stuff. And then, you know, like the, the playing, get, getting the muscle memory back is going to be one thing once we start playing together, but like having it in my head is, is a totally different thing. So I'd listened to it today and, you know, I've been listening to it a little bit every day, just like focusing on different songs you know, when I'm driving or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be really fun. That song flesh though, is going to take some living, some listening to Cause I, that wasn't one that we played a lot. And that was like kind of towards the end, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. So just those little things will, those will be, um, fun to interesting to play when we get together. <laughs> yeah. An interesting part of doing this at middle age and doing this in a post COVID world is up to this point, it's been, Zoom calls, emails, and files flying back and forth. And for people who think that we must be insane, there's like a total fight camp mentality here where Kevin and I are going to, you know, bivouac in San Diego because neither of us live anywhere near the area. And all of us are going to be in town for the entire week leading up to the show with access to a practice pad and the time to pound our brains out. But I will tell you, it's an, it's an under-the-gun plan of action to get in there and get the job done. I mean, I almost think the anxiety might serve us, you know. I'm looking forward I'm to it. I'm very excited that I'm very excited that Gene Hoagland might be at the uh, uh the uh the practice play. I'm like, sure he will. I just <laughs> saw him the other day. <laughs> Kevin, you made you talked to me, you made a quick allusion to being anti-reunion. And I've been very vocal about my cynicism about sort of the proliferation of reunions in hardcore over the last decade. I've sort of arrived at the position that they are not all identical in nature, but I, I, I'm curious to hear where you are with that and where where this lands for you. I'm 
so I, I mean, so I, I was recently on that uh, uh, where it went podcast where, where I was very, very upfront about uh, Farside not doing a reunion because it, it's, it's just it's not going to happen, and, and you know some of us are not into it. I'm not a fan of reunions. I'm especially not a fan of, of hardcore band reunions, primarily because I don't enjoy seeing fifty something year old dudes try and recreate something that they did when they were 19. I, from my own experience as somebody who has uh, entered their 50s and was once 19, I can say that the world is a lot more gray. It's not as black and white. And things that I used to believe in, I don't anymore. And I've grown and 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 changed, and and that it, it happens. That's what what's what people do. And I think one of the things that makes hardcore so so special is there is an urgency with it that I think usually comes from the fact that that the people playing it are young and inexperienced, and they're they're at that age where like everything is important, right? Like like your your girlfriend hung up on you. That's a big deal, and like you know. Uh, the some politician on TV said this, and oh, that's a big deal. And as you get older, the, you you start to realize with perspective what what really matters, and a lot of that stuff just doesn't matter. So the idea of seeing you know some uh, youth crewy type band up on stage singing about friendships and being stabbed in the back, it just rings hollow. And 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 I think it takes away from the memories of of those bands. Like I would, I love Who's Purdue. I would be horrified and let's let's assume that 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 grant hart's still alive i would be horrified if they did a reunion because it just wouldn't be the same and i even if they were great i would walk away with that with a with a bad memory of it it would just be tainted i think there's a few bands that can pull it off i think the descendants pulled it off but i think the difference with the descendants was that and i don't want to make a comparison to us but three of those guys never stopped playing and they just brought back their their singer and that everything sucks record. I think it's the best record. It's so good. So there's exceptions to it. But I guess the reason I'm open to doing this is when I look at the state of the world and, and America in particular, and, and Mario, you you brought this up in your your last interview with Dan, the songs that that we had, the topics and the lyrics, they're all relevant. Couldn't be any more and, relevant than now. It's weird. Like <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. It's yeah. crazy. And it's and it's actually kind of funny to think about some of the things that we were really kind of railing against in the 90s because I mean really was was it really likely that abortion was going to become illegal in the 90s? I mean not really. Well flesh flesh is much more prescient now than it was when I wrote it. When, when, when you yeah. guys wrote the music. Which yeah. that let's oh hooray, we've got justification to do the reunion. Well, fuck that noise. It sucks yeah. that that song is yeah. more relevant now. It's terrible. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when I was, when I was, I got into like metal when I was like 10 years old in 1981. My, my uncle, he's, who's only six years older than me, um, was like a metal dude. And so I, I got into it and, and I loved it. But when hardcore kind of came around for me in 86 or so, the thing that attracted me was that, that it would, the songs were about real things and I could relate to them where, you know, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons and Satan and Swords and Chicks, cool. You know, it's 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 good time. Listen, but you can't relate to it. And so I, I feel like our songs are still, unfortunately, 
very very relatable and um i mean i don't i don't think that you know us getting together and, and playing and maybe putting some new stuff out is going to change the world but it i think it will at least make me feel like i'm on the right side of history and that's that's important for me most people i talk to credit this happening through the conversation between mario and i had on the podcast and that really is to hearing mario say what he said i gotta tell you that caught me off guard you know but it, it's I, I thank you for it because i i was of that opinion as far as continued relevance he goes but uh, you largely keep your thoughts to yourself and you you spitting yeah. that out let me know you're not a happy camper in the in the in the current world or in the current climate yeah i mean i'm probably probably one of the i don't know i wouldn't say the least political person you know um but and it's not that i don't try to pay attention but how can you not let things i mean it's there's just numerous things that affect you know so many different um facets of uh where we live um you know our kids my kids you know i have two i have three kids and it's just uh there's just a lot of a lot of bullshit that's just unfortunately um you know well, one thing you expressed particular sensitivity to her that we discussed then was sort of that the Trump presidency had created a pretty not brown friendly space. Yeah, yeah, that and yeah, with the whole border and, and build the wall and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's like, that was just a really interesting four years, that's for sure. <laughs> Brian, is it, is it weird? Is it, be, is it weird to be stepping in cold stop into a band that's overtly political? No way, because... I'm telling you, like, I, I see where you're coming from, Kevin, like in terms of being in the band that's doing the reunion. But as a fan, I only saw 411 maybe two or three times. But 411 had an impact on me. Dan, your lyrics, Kevin, you're playing, Mario, you're playing as well. It just, I mean, it still resonates with me today listening to those songs and growing up listening to those songs, being at that young age, it actually like trips me out to watch like other friends we've had <laughs> grow up in the same scene and go to that side of like the politics, like yeah. just being in the scene that we grew yeah. up in just blows my mind, you know, because right. I attribute the way I feel about the world today based on like, you know, the bands that meant so much to me, you know, 411 being one of those bands. So stepping into this, it's just, I feel like it's an extension of, how you know how I've always thought what I've always believed like you know all, all of these um these topics that you you've been singing about Dan you know so yeah I mean and I I feel like I've always associated myself in other you know other bands with people that kind of felt the same way as well. Well, that's good to know because I, I perceived you as a fascist, but I'm <laughs> um, it's a funny thing that illustration earlier about whoever thought that they you know basically that rovers wade would be under fire and everything else the unthinkable has become the norm in the mainstream something brian you said said just made me think though i think the more shocking thing for the four of us is that the unthinkable or the hard right or the uber conservative has also become an accepted norm in the underground which i think is contrary to what all of us grew up yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i was i was actually going to say when brian when you were when you were talking and, and, and I, I apologize if this just sounds like I'm stereotyping, but I'll tell you when I see like like a, like some punker type dude that's my age, my first thought is, oh, that guy voted for Trump. Yeah, I because, know. You know. Yeah. Right. And and it you know and it goes. It I, I just feel like for whatever reason this punk rock ethos 
has kind of morphed into this kind of dopey, libertarian, don't tread on me, like no one will tell me what to do. That very childish kind of like folding your arms and stamping your foot and just saying, don't tell me what to do for anything without really like thinking through what it is that they're against, right? And yeah, it's just- And not being willing to accept what the, you know, the another viewpoint of what they're against. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I repeatedly interview this PBS journalist, a guy named A.C. Thompson, right? And I've known him since he was a completely tattooed sleeve, dreadlock, bone through his nose, BMX riding, food not bombs guy. You know, and now he's a, he's a button-down television journalist. And what's interesting and what catches me off guard is when I watch him interact with the right, he is very generous and very passive, and he is a legit listener, right? And I hate to say it, but his behavior and it catching me off guard makes me think about the fact the left isn't all that good listening, right? Right. And that is something I hope to touch on a little bit in future lyrics. I want to get to that real quick and then kind of circle back to this because there's a particular line, and you guys are familiar with it. I've shared it in our merch and everything else. It refers to the new material, but also refers to the exact subject we're discussing right now. So let's start, sort of talk about what we expect out of new material and about what the process is. Uh, we have pieces of a few songs floating around and essentially finished song, which has lyrical content and everything else going forward from the stuff that we're working on, though. What would each of you like to see? Out of, like Kevin is a guitar player. What are you hoping for? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that's so I don't listen to hardcore or punk anymore. I, I couldn't tell you you know any any current bands i mean i've become familiar with the bands that we're going to be playing with um because i was i you know was curious but there there just came a point where i i don't know how to put it i just sort of lost interest i mean you can only hear the same guitar tone and same five chords and groove so many times before it all just starts to sound the same so i listen i mean honestly i mean i i listen to a lot of like russian post punk and a lot of stuff from africa just because it's new and it's it's exciting for me, so writing songs, I don't even I don't even know where to start. Well, what you've and said so that, far is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I'm writing it. Just you know, I just start playing and whatever kind of comes out, I noodle around with that and, and come back to it. So far, I think what I, what's coming out is 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 pretty good. It's you know, it's it's holding my interest. You know, the other thing though is, and this is weird. Um, I'm very worried that it's going to sound dated. Th- that doesn't really matter, I guess. But, well, you know, I, I, I'll come up with something and I'll be like, ah, geez, that really sounds like 1992. Maybe I should update that a little bit. But maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, I get two things, in it, and I, I, I would hope to bring the other two in with this counterpoint. And that is, I would hope that we not try and imitate ourselves. Okay? And I was sort of anxious to hear from the three of you, your thinking, as far as deviation from template and willingness to explore and whether or not that, whether or not that turns uh, like, you know, Mario on and whether that turns Brian on or whether that makes you guys nervous. I mean, what I've heard so far, the, the riffs you sent Kevin, every single one that it's been like, that sounds cool. I'd, I'd be more than I'm looking forward to just playing and seeing what comes out of them. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not overthinking them. I don't, for me, as a, as a drummer, I don't like to overthink things. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to try and do right apart for this or right apart for that. Because it all comes down to getting in the room. And like, yeah. you know, I could have parts written in my head. I've, I've realized like I could have parts in my head, you know, but until you sit down and get into a room 
it's like, it's just, that's a totally different thing. So I've learned to just let it be like, you know, listen to it. But then like when you get in the room, then that's when the real, you know, the chemistry will either happen or if it doesn't, then you'll, you'll know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But what I've heard so far, I've really been like, like what Dan said, I'm just like, damn, this, this guy hasn't played in almost 30 years. Like Your exact words to me in private conversation, Mario, were, this motherfucker hasn't missed a beat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought it was going to be like <laughs> Santana shreds or something like <laughs> Your thoughts, Brian? Iron Man well, shreds. You know, for me, and, and just the experience that I had in Into Another, I feel like the most important thing is knocking off the rust and sounding like yourself and kevin the stuff you you sent over i was like this sounds like kevin murphy this sounds like 411 so that's all i needed you know and i was i was stoked um yeah exactly you know the experience i had before even with uh with with peter moses and into another you know like i think at the beginning he might have been trying to like fit something specific but it was like once like you you knock the rust off and get to who he's actually who he actually is it just was like that sounds like into another and that's where i was like i feel like i helped you know in pushing him in that direction just being like that's it that's it cuz i'm a fan you know and so yeah. i was uh i i wasn't surprised cuz i know you have it in you kevin but i was i was extremely stoked to to hear those riffs and go that sounds like kevin it sounds like 411 to me so yeah. Well, I'm excited to explore explore the rift more for sure. Well, I want to keep this chat going a little bit by putting something to you guys to further challenge your thinking about exploration by putting one of my challenges in front of you. Okay. Which is I hear those songs and I catch myself trying to write the way I've sung in recent years and trying to write the way I haven't sung in 30s. And then trying to find some hybrid space between the two. And of course we're gonna land at what's natural. And if something is stupid, I mean, a lot of it's already written. But if something is stupid, I don't picture this group being afraid to say so. But what do you think of the notion of when a band comes back after 30 years and is the obligation to service fan expectation or is there just as much obligation to do honest exploration, to not represent yourself as the boy from the 90s, but also the man from the 2020s? I was just going to say my take as a fan I want something to reconnect to the past a little bit, especially in the vocal realm. I feel like it's funny because I feel like I had this conversation with Richie too. (laughs) I think I sent him an email at one point and I was like, dude, these are the seven Richies I want to eventually hear because it was all (laughs) his different vocal styles, but they all were into another. And it was like, man, at some point, you know, and he was like, I'll bust them all out. You know, it was that sort of thing. Um, for you, Dan, I, I'm I'm familiar with your work, your recent work, of course, the past. I feel like 411, you pushed yourself in a different direction than you had with any band that you've ever been in. So with 411, I feel like I feel like I want to hear that, like you trying to do at least something not new, but like just bringing it back to There's, what you kind of did with 411, but then bringing in that new flavor as well. It's there, but it feels, it only feels real in the writing so far. It only feels real when I play that melodicism or that emotionally available sound opposite sort of the current level of anger. So it's sort of like okay. one playing off the other, but I'm like really anxious to see reaction to it when we get in a room. So 
it's a fun question for me to ask you. Well, to me, that's the best part of the, of, of your vocals in 411 is, is that, that, you know, going between that melodic stuff and the screaming stuff, which actually became a staple in hardcore music way after 411 was around. <laughs> the whole melodic screaming thing, you know what I mean? You're not mm-hmm. going to those drastic extremes, you know, but it's, it, it, it's definitely a thing, you know? Well, I appreciate the input and it's, 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 you kind of said what I hoped I'd hear and what I dreaded hearing at the same time. Because it just means the same. Well, because it means the challenge remains in place, you know, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, that is all of us talking about musicianship when it comes to new material. In theme, the thing that I've shared with you guys so far, and the the most lyrically complete thoughts I have is this whole "then again, then again" notion, which is on one hand, it's a reference to the fact that it's a band from then, and we're doing it again, right? But it's also the whole notion that there was a very specific fight to be fought and a very real mindset that was pushed against them that almost seems more severe now and more requiring addressing. So that's what's behind Then Again, Then Again. The other thing I have some meat on its bones already is a song called Gun Country, which is not what you guys Gun Country. Okay. But it's not necessarily what you would think. It's about what sort of America's self-image has slowly evolved into and what most people's idea of being an American is, this is what it was when I was a kid. What I wanted to ask you guys is thematically, and it has been really exciting for me to hear this political consciousness and this sort of sense of moral obligation in the band for the present tense, but I'm curious, what subjects would you guys like to hear about, depending on how many new songs ever come to exist? I mean, what seems, what seem, what seem 411 appropriate lines of attack for you guys? I, I'm fascinated to, to hear about the gun country thing because the idea of what what people's perception is of what it means to be American kind of rings with me. I always feel pompous as shit saying this, but I was very privileged to be able to live in Europe for five years. And it, it gave me such perspective having uh, friends from uh, Estonia and Ukraine and, and, and all over, like, would tell me, like, to my face, Oh, you're American. This is what I think of you, and and to get their perception of what Americans are, and it 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 wasn't always flattering. And coming home when we when we moved back, I immediately saw it. Um, and the gun thing is 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 I mean, obviously it's 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 very timely right now. But you know, we were genuinely worried about getting shot when we moved back to the u.s because you know we moved from two cities that are uh, despite their reputations two of the safest cities in in the world and then we moved back to america you, you moved know. to texas well we moved to seattle first but then yeah then we moved to texas and, and and yeah texas is its own its own little republic i i think that's a great topic um I was gonna say guns, but i guess i guess that's well, that, it's, that's, well no i mean there's there's that's a deep pool there you know Mario, was was ninety four the first time you went to Europe when you and I went together, or first time? Yeah. Did you get hit with that same thing? Like it was it was even more different than I expected. I wasn't like super culture shocked, but at the same time, I was delighted at the hospitality factor compared to yeah, definitely what it seemed like in America. Um, and I I still always am when I when I go to I mean even this recent tour of Europe, it's like they treat the band so much better and like there's, you know, they feed you meals and, you know, there's, there's just a different type of appreciation that's just over there. Um, you know, even being like, like in Switzerland and Italy and, and 
bunch of different countries. It was just like so peaceful, you know. Um, coming back home, you're just like, okay, I'm back in the fucking shit show again. Exactly. It's like gotta watch your back. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, one of the big differences is that that Europeans really kind of as a whole recognize the connectedness that, that we all have, the, the idea of a community and that that what I do has an impact on that person and that person has an impact on me. And yep. in the US, everything is about the the individual, uh, that whole pioneer kind of mythos that we have. Mm. And you see it in the way that the, <coughs> the, the cities are set up, especially Texas. Texas is everything is spread out. People live 300 feet away from each other, like huge swaths of land between each other. And, and you, you know, no trespassing signs and everything is owned and it's, and it's their own thing. And that sense of community, it, it, uh, it's just so that lack of sense of community is so damaging, I think, because it, it, it keeps people stuck in this mindset of the 1800s and it's, it's 2022. Yeah. Brian, you've been over there as much as any of us. Was it a perspective changing, uh, you know, experience first time you went over and i mean what stays with you or you know if not so i'd like to hear yeah i mean it's yeah i've been all over yeah i mean it's (laughs) it makes you appreciate things about america but also makes you you know look really hard at at the problems with with the country you know in, in terms of like themes in new music from 411 i would say I want to hear, I, I don't want to hear anybody hold back on anything. Nice. I think too many bands try to play it safe these days because they don't want to lose fans and they're following and all that sort of thing. And I don't think there's enough, uh, enough bands out there just going for it and, and doing kind of like, you know, what the bands in the nineties and the eighties did, which was just scream their head off about whatever they thought. So that, that to me is what I want to hear actually out of, out of new music. And I would hope it would be, yeah, that's, that's kind of just, that's it. I don't know. So uh, sort of as a way to wrap this up, I don't want to, you know, do an interview about t-shirts or about, you know, <laughs> the band history or trivia. Not that I don't appreciate people, you know, frankly, nobody's going to these shows if there isn't a world that loves that. But what I was hoping for from this conversation was that I would get some food for thought about the basis premise that I'm basic premise that I'm working with from, from my end of, of the little field of work that I have to do with in this band. And I, what I kind of arrived at is that I'm not anti-American. I'm not anti the American idea or America as was, was, was presented to me when I was very young. I am very anti-American reality. In other words, how it's executed, uh, what this country has come to be. And I feel like in having had this talk before we're all sharing space again, I come away encouraged that uh, I'm playing with I'm playing with people who get that and dig that. So thank you. Yeah. All right. And with the silence, I'm gonna wrap this thing up. Are you guys good? Yeah. Yeah. Gents, I cannot wait to be in the same room. Everybody, that was episode 50 of Dano Sezzo with 411. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. 
We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. 